I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the MLS Fantasy Insider, part four of our fantasy takeaways from the MLS is Back tournament. This episode is brought to you by a successful bubble, because it's good to give credit where credit is due. Uh, actually, no, uh, while true, uh, this episode is also brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. Uh, or that's the old intro, uh, the Patreon community of, of the MLSI Fantasy Insider. Wow, that's that was a, a throwback to <laughs> to old intros. Just kind of came out there out of, out of nowhere. Uh, no, the Patreons for the MLS Fantasy Insider podcast. You guys are amazing, and uh, I, I don't know what we'd do without you. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I am joined by my partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Good. Hopefully you guys are in Season 6, Episode 25 of MLS Fantasy Insider and not back in like Season 3 or 4 or wherever my mind was <laughs> for a second right there. Um, I'm picking Giovinco, guys. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Robbie Keane for the hat trick all day no we were talking about it just a second ago before we started this podcast if you caught any of the or listened to any of the beginning on on youtube um there's been some struggles with major league baseball with with their season but mls once the initial entry into the bubble got got finished we ended a little bit last week with this uh, our bubble's been going well so yeah, definitely wanted to give props to that at the beginning of this show because I, I think it's been really successful and it's important to highlight that because we did that whole long series of just trying to keep people's mental health together and focused on something fun and, and soccer related that it's it's nice to be able to point out, look, we're doing a good job. Uh, things were crazy for Dallas and things were crazy for Nashville, but that was before it all came in. But once everything got here, it, it seems like things have gone well. So, so big, big props. Congrats right there. Definitely, definitely do to our league. Well, fellas, I talked about this on last week's show that we were not going to cover the full week's games from last week. I was saving that so that we could just have this episode be completely about the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight of the MLS is back tournament. And I know some of you may like to call those round of 16 and quarterfinals, but as I said last week, I am in SEC country, and um, that's not how we talk. So round of 16, the Sweet 16 and the quarterfinals, that's what we're focusing on this week because everything has been decided to have our semifinals, our final four, and then our, our final game right there. So... Um, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, there's some ups and downs that I talked about before the show as well. Um, we teased a little bit of it last week, but guys, this is this is good. This tournament, I think, has been one of the most because MLS tournaments ever. Absolutely. It's, oh yeah. It's it's been wild. It's been it's been fun. There are several times I'll be lying in bed since I'm on the East Coast and some of these games start so late. I'll be lying in bed 
I'll look at my phone and see his score and be like, well, I need to follow that game now because this is not <laughs> what I expected at all. Orlando LAFC. Um, yeah. But. I mean, just looking at the four um, finalists now, it's just totally because MLS. Like, I don't For think sure. any of us had those four making it all the way to the finals. For sure. And we'll get to that at the end. But no, I definitely want to talk about who the final four are and just mm -hmm. our, our kind of shock with that. So let's just start right at the beginning, uh, going back to the, the Sweet 16, Orlando versus Montreal. This game ended with a 1-0 final in favor of Orlando. Akindeli got the lone goal here. Uh, Orlando outshot Montreal 10-7. Out, didn't uh, Montreal outcrossed Orlando 14-19. And then Orlando outpossessed 57-43. Um, a lot of the same key players here. Again, this is why we're doing these little shows right now is to point out some of the high players so you know which names you want to keep an eye on when we get back into the fantasy season. So, uh, of course, Akindeli has been doing well, gotten a couple of goals and some assists throughout this this tournament, but Mendez also had some great shot numbers. Nani has continued to be the standout fantasy player for Orlando during this tournament. And then... Um, a couple of defenders had had some good games, but this one wasn't a great, great game for defenders. Mostly right here, this is Nani's game again. Over on Montreal's side, not not awful for for some potential points there with um, a team not scoring any goals. Uh, Fanny got some good defensive numbers if you want to look at that, uh, and then Kyoto and Tider got some good crossing numbers, um, which is just something you can pull. From there, but um, we're seeing again Tider's name over and over right here with with the way fantasy goes. Did you guys get to watch this game? Parts of it. Parts of it. It's. I mean, Orlando's coming out and really, and just really doing great things. That I think shocking everybody. I felt like this game was 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 pretty even. Um, in in most senses, uh, an easy game to start the to start the tournament with, and I think the result that we've ended are there or the result that we would expect it with Orlando winning any other takeaways you guys want to bring from this or this is Montreal's final appearance so any final thoughts on Montreal from fantasy perspective let's do it that way no I don't I mean I think we kind of I feel the same way about Montreal that I did coming into this tournament um generally they struggled to score which is something that we expected coming into the season losing mm -hmm. Piotti um, they only generated 0.89 uh, expected goals. Um, I mean, they have a few good chances, but, um, you know, they generally they were outplayed. Orlando had 1.6 expected goals, so just about double, so the result is fair. Um, Montreal is definitely a team that needs to, to add something, I think, to be a real contender fantasy-wise and otherwise. I need to find a new Piotti. Yeah. Don't to we Toronto. all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, let's be right on to Philadelphia, New England Revolution then. Uh, again, another game that ended 1-0. Uh, we had a goal by Sergio Santos from Philadelphia. Uh, but I think it's important to point out with this one that the, the Revs really came out hard. This was definitely uh, a game that I know a lot of us were interested in. Philadelphia has been doing very well over the last couple of years and in this tournament. The Revs have been doing very well during this tournament. And uh, they, they came out tough for the first, I don't know, 30 ish or so minutes of the game they they were really playing hard but carlos gill was not here and it was just missed his his presence was missed so that's a huge important fantasy takeaway uh for for the new new england revolution right there uh shots new england shout shot philadelphia 12 to 18 out cross philadelphia 16 to 20 but philadelphia had the bulk of the possession 
fairly even anyway, though, 52 to 48. So a fairly even game. Uh, key players for here, of course, Santos. Uh, all of his offensive numbers are fantastic, a, a name we mentioned several times, so a player to definitely look at with fantasy. Uh, Montiero had a had great key passing, a name from the last couple of years you should be familiar with as well, has continuing to be a great shot. And then Elliott and McKenzie are two defenders that have continued to be, to be good uh, sources of fantasy points. And I tried to really look at defenders this time that were going to generate close to two bonus points uh, because that's going to be a really nice trait to have in a regular game if they're going to get a four-point clean sheet and then two points, two to three points off of bonuses. That's going to be a really great score if you could find that. So that's where I was trying to look at my uh, defenders right here. New England Revolution. Again, it was it's mostly the players you would usually go to, um, but without Carlos Gill, just didn't have a lot of, of, of playmaking that was going on. So... Uh, did you guys get to watch this game? Again, bits and pieces of this one. Sure. Um, See, I, I didn't get to watch most of these games because I didn't get my streaming service until right before ah. New York City's semifinal game, or last game, which really kind of stinks. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is that New England actually did win the expected goals battle here, 1.14 to um, Philadelphia's 0.7. Um, if you look at kind of the the chart, it looks like Philadelphia had two main chances, but one of those was the Santos goal. Um, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, New England really need, needs Carlos Heel to to really excel. And they, they did earlier in the tournament when they had him, and whenever they lost him is when they kind of started to go down a little bit. So New yeah. England's – oh, sorry, go ahead, Blaine. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I came into the tournament really high on New England, and losing Heel was a huge hit, and – the more the more shocking stat for me was Bo. I want to see what his expected goals is for this tournament compared to his actual goals, and I just haven't looked it up and been able to find it. If he starts putting away chances, then he's had a bunch of them in this tournament. New England's got the got the ability to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They just did not put away chances in this tournament, and that actually makes me worried about Bo going forward. If he's in this slump and not able to finish, um, how viable is he going to be long-term? Final thoughts of New England fantasy-wise as they're exiting this tournament. They need heal. <laughs> they need heal. I mean, I, I'm positive on New England. I liked what I saw a lot. They definitely need heal, but we knew that he was a great presence last year. Uh, I think this is just a, a great showcase for New England and some of the fantasy potential that their players have. So uh, an easy team that I would look to, uh, definitely under the right circumstances, but even in some of those tougher matchups, I think New England could be a good source of points. Uh, let's move on to Toronto versus New York City FC. I'll let you talk about this one, Mike, after giving the rundown of it. Uh, final of uh, one to three in favor of New York City FC. And this couldn't have gone any better for Mike. Uh, goals by Medina, by um, Castellanos, by Morales, who was back for, for this part of the tournament. And then on Toronto's side, a goal from Patrick Mullins. Holy cow. This is just the most amazing, amazing. thing for Mike uh, right here. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Toronto outshot New York City that was close 12 to 11 outcrossed New York City 26 to 10 in possession fairly even but in Toronto's favor 56 to 44 Mike uh, what are your fantasy thoughts on this game so um, fantasy thought the main thought I had coming out of this game was um, 
one that Akinola was really important for Toronto. He did not start this game. Josie Altidore did. Um, and it really hurt. It, it didn't seem like it took, took Toronto out of the rhythm that they had in the group stage when they were so dominant. Um, the other thing was James Sands had an incredible game, really took out uh, Pozuelo and Bradley, and they really clamped down. Um, I wish I could say this was the, you know, last week I was like, oh, maybe this would be New York City turning a corner and kind of finally getting into Delia's system. But unfortunately, we have another game to talk about, so I can't really go into that because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's true. Um, but, I mean, I think that's what you can see out of New York City. If they put everything into it and they have a good game, they can still be beat anyone in, in MLS. Um, for Toronto, I, I think they just kind of got flat-footed and just got hit in the mouth quick. Uh, and they just weren't able to generate the chances to recover. Um, I, I think with Akinola, I, I don't take any long-term out of this other than maybe Akinola by his absence has actually improved his standing because of how poorly Toronto played without him. But, um, I mean, I think that's that's what you're looking at. You're looking to see who's going to win that starting battle between Akinola or, and Altidore, or if they try to, if Greg Vanny tries to put them both on. But um, the other other maybe fantasy thing for New York City, and this goes into the next game too, is that Delia really likes Jesus Medina. Um, he scored in this game. He scored in the next game. I don't really know why. I think there are better players on the bench, but um, he's going to keep starting him. So I think he can probably get a little bit of value for Medina um, if he keeps getting opportunities like this. Uh, Blaine, final thoughts on Toronto on their way out. Um this was just weird. They're, they're struggling to find goals right now. Um, I mean, it, it's sad that Patrick Mullins probably had a better tournament than Josie did. All things considered. I mean, that's that. Yeah. They should trade Josie and start Patrick Mullins. That's why they lost that game. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, Josie didn't even start that game either. He came off the bench and I mean, I guess he got an assist. Who was it? Who was it that started then? Um, they've got Pozuelo listed as a forward on this. They basically started a bunch of midfielders. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the names that we're going to from here from Toronto is, I mean, uh, Pozuelo, Piatti did did very well with some of those offensive numbers. Uh, De Leon did okay. Uh, Mavinga did okay on, on defense. But a lot of the usual suspects right here. But Josie is not one of them who – he's just not featured in this tournament. So there's a giant question mark around him going into the rest of the fantasy season. Okay, Blaine, coming up for your game, Sporting Kansas City versus Vancouver. An intense game. This was the first one that I was following on my phone and was like, well, I have to watch that one now to switch over to watch this PK shootout that happened with Sporting Kansas City and Vancouver. Ends up being, so 0-0 to zero ends up 3-1 in favor of Sporting Kansas City, I believe. Is that right? 3-1 for yeah. for PKs. Uh, Sporting Kansas City outshot Vancouver 37-8. to eight outcrossed Vancouver 39 to 9 and outpossessed Vancouver 63 to 37. These are FC Cincinnati numbers of, of poorness right here that we're looking at. Um yet from this game, I'm saying there are no key players because you all didn't get the open field goals against Vancouver and there's maybe one interesting reason for that. Blaine, take it over from here. Yeah, um Hassal came out of nowhere. Thomas and... Hassal, backup goalkeeper. Yeah, third string goalkeeper, like emergency fill-in goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> stood on his head that game. Um, massive props to him. Um, just 
everywhere all night long, recorded eight saves on this one, and had a great showing in the penalty shootout. Just, yeah, Sporting Sporting couldn't get one by him despite all the shots. Like, it was, it just, I don't know, I don't know what was going on. I don't know. Like, I know Vancouver packed it in a little bit. Um, didn't make it easy. They gave us shots, but they didn't give us all the high-quality shots. Um, they barely had enough players to have a full team. Yeah, yeah. I, it, honestly, really disappointing not to score in the run of play. Uh, but we got to see an epic penalty shootout from this one. Um, Melia won it for Sporting, of sure. course. Um, just, but. You know, I've watched. We've watched a lot of other games in this tournament, and I know we're going to talk about some of the other ones. We've seen more games than I expected go to penalties these last two weeks, and Thomas Hassall has given a better showing than any other goalkeeper besides Melia in penalty shootouts so far. It's a shame he had to go head to head with Melia and lose that one, because I think if he went head to head with any other goalkeeper in the league right now, um, he would the way he played that game he would have won any penalty shootout besides playing going against Melia and give that man a starting job. I don't know how long their, their st- starting keeper is going to be out with a broken thumb. Um, but uh, he could be on the bench for a while if Hassal is going to keep playing this way. Cause I think, I don't think he can seed it all tournament. This is just a, when he's gotten to play it's Yeah. At 21, give that kid a job and let him go. <laughs> Mike, final thoughts of Vancouver on their way out? Um, you know, I'm going to slightly disagree with Blaine um, here. Blaine just said that, you know, Hassal would have won um, any penalty shootout uh, other than Melia. And I don't want to tra- detract from Amelia. I think his penalty shootout qualifications are very well established, and he's certainly the best PK stopper in the league. That said, Vancouver's penalty kick takers were awful. <laughs> I mean... Um, there, there's only one other team that we're going to talk about who was, I think was a little worse than, um, Vancouver's penalty takers, but Vancouver made it pretty easy for Tim Melia, which made me kind of wonder what their strategy is, was coming in. Um, in general, I I think I have the same opinion of Vancouver that I did coming into it, which is that they're struggling to score. They're going to try to win, grind out points one or zero zero. And maybe if they get a fluky counter, like we saw them get against Chicago. That's pretty much all they have. I'm staying away from them, except if Asal does get a starting job, as you would expect, he's only four million in the game. Certainly a nice um, switcheroo option to to throw around. Uh, for Sporting Kansas City, they did get three point five in expected goals, which I guess you're going to get when you generate that many shots. So I, I don't have any worries from them coming out of this game. But um, for Vancouver, yeah, it's just. That's not sustainable what they're doing. Hassal's right. great, but you can't keep letting that guy get shown like that. Right. And that's the other reason why I say no key players here on Sporting Kansas City side because that's that's just the same kind of stat bloat that we saw with with Cincinnati before that those those aren't going to be consistent numbers that you're going to see in a team during the rest of the season. Next let's go to San Jose versus Real Salt Lake. <laughs> A bananas game. This game ended 5-2 in favor of San Jose, who were just barrel rolling at this time. They've been amazingly fun to watch. Uh, 
goals by Espinoza, assisted by Vaco and Erickson. A PK from Erickson, another goal by Vaco, assisted by Rios. A goal by Wando, of course, and another goal, which is a PK by Erickson. Clearly, you should have caught on that I pointed out these PKs because it looks like Erickson is going to be the PK taker for San Jose if that was a question you still had. Um, on RSL side, not even important because there's no one from RSL that you want right now. But uh, Espinosa for shots uh, went in favor of San Jose, 19 to 11. Crosses pretty much even in favor of RSL, 14 to 16. And then possession went in favor of San Jose, 60 to 40 percent. That's a crazy amount right there. Uh, key players from here, like I said, no one from RSL because this was just not a great game to showcase RSL. Uh, but the usual offensive names for for uh, San Jose with Erickson, Vaco, and Wando. Uh, though mostly it's going to be Erickson and Vaco. I imagine you're going to be looking at most of this season since those guys are are trading off of of uh, assists and goals. Erickson may have that advantage since he looks to be on PK duty right here. Um, but also Kaisha on on defense had 17 uh, clearances. I think is what it was. He he had one of his, his uh, I think it was 17 clearances, which would have been a massive number of fantasy points. So that's he that was just an amazing number of clearances right there, especially for a game when you won five to two. That's that was yeah. kind of wild. So uh, this this was a bananas game. Mike, what do you take from this? Um, you know, I, I kind of take out of this that I'm, I have a lot more questions of Real Salt Lake. I think we came into this mm -hmm. tournament expecting them to make it and, and to maybe make some noise, not necessarily to go all the way or anything like that. Uh, but they're kind of one of those mid-tier teams where you kind of want to see what, what they do. And they didn't really do all that well. Started off hot with a 2 nothing win against Colorado and then a 0-0 draw against Minnesota. A 2 nothing loss to Sporting Kansas City that they weren't really in and then just getting absolutely shellacked here. So I don't know that I trust their defense, which is kind of weird with them two clean sheets in, in this, but I, I just don't feel confident banking on the clean sheet for them because they're it seems like the same story that we got last year which is this the only thing consistent about rsl is their inconsistency so i think that makes it really hard to to trust them fantasy wise blaine final thoughts on rsl as they exit yeah i actually did get to watch this game and they seem to be in it for about 70 minutes or so um Rusnak did not have as big of an impact on this game as I would have liked to have seen from him. Um, I know with the sporting game where they lost 2-0, they were missing Rusnak for that one. Uh, this team seems to live and die with how Rusnak plays yeah. for them. And and that's your huge fantasy takeaway. Um, that's but, where the inconsistency yeah, comes from. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, they're, they're almost a one-man show right now. Like, if Rusnak's on form, the rest of the team plays really well. If they're not on form, or if Rusnak's not in form, the team kind of suffers. And it's just, it, it, it's classic RSL. When things got bad, they got really bad. And the, the wheels fell off. And I don't know, I was sitting there laughing at it just because, I mean, I have to. I I hate and Jay's going to hate me if he hears that, but I, I, I laugh every time. And then the two red cards, um, right. Silva, de De Silva definitely deserved it. Did you guys finally hear what uh, Beckerman got his red card for? Oh no, I didn't. No, he kicked the ball at the ref after the final whistle. That'll do it every time. And so he's got an extra game tacked on, but that's the kind of disarray this team is in. 
Um, I don't know if Beckerman just wanted his final action in MLS to be a red card. If the guys aren't planning on if like if they're not going to have the rest of a season, depending on how it looks, Beckerman may just be like, "Nope, I'm done. Let's just go out with a bang." Like that may be what that was, but it it seemed like when the wheels fell off, they really fell off for this team, and that worries me in fantasy going forward because you could have a decent game with your defenders, and then all of a sudden one red card, one bad slip up, and everything goes down. And that seems to be kind of the – it seems like this team could easily track that way. We forgot to mention that Bruce Arena got a red card as well after the game ended with him just sort of running his mouth. So, yeah, kicking the ball to ref. That's intense. intense. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Rusnak is there. I mean, you also have Silva when he's not getting red cards. You have Krylach. You have Glad. I mean, there's some people to look at. But, yeah, you're right, Mike. Consistency, fantasy-wise, it's it's a big question mark. Much more in favor of San Jose, who I think we were worried about – their performance across the three of us coming in, just just how they would perform, and they've they've done fantastic. It's been great to see San Jose play. Until okay. the next game. Until the, well, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Seattle versus LAFC uh, ended as maybe a little surprising. I thought this game would be a little bit closer, but the final was uh, Seattle won LAFC four. Um, Rossi just just going crazy again. Got a PK and an open field goal. Blessing got a goal assisted by BWP and Rodriguez, and then Rodriguez got a goal himself. And then my man Will Bruin, assisted by by Jones, uh, gets himself a goal as well. So Mike and I had a good a good uh, round for our sort of uh, secondary um, <laughs> bottom of the barrel forwards who get not enough love. Oh dear, get oh dear. they get They're not enough love. They get not enough love. Um, but yeah, Will Bruin got the lone goal for Seattle. Uh, LAFC outshot Seattle 23-11. to Seattle outcrossed LAFC 25-12. to Thank you, Ladero. Uh, and then Seattle actually outpossessed LAFC 60-40, to but I guess it's easy to have the ball when you're always pulling it out of the back of your net. Sorry, Ashley. Um, yeah, it, everybody here was the usual suspects as far as key players to look for. I mean, you've got Rui Diaz, you've got Jones, you've got... Ariego, you've got Ladero. Like these are the names you're gonna go to anyway. They just didn't get it done this time because LAFC equally has their players that you always go to with Rossi and BWP and Rodriguez and K and all these guys are are just consistently being the types of players that you want in fantasy, but when they come together in these big games, you never know what's gonna happen. So LAFC is still just rolling with this. Uh what did you guys take away from this game? So my takeaway was that Seattle Sounders fans are not happy with Ariega. If you want to Google Ariega or put it into the timeline on Twitter, they are not happy with his performance. Um, he's I getting good fantasy question. numbers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, he's getting bonus points. He's not right. getting good numbers. Yeah, I don't know how many um, chances that lead to a goal he might have been pegged in this one. Judging by Twitter, it was all of them. Um, I, I think the, the big um, thing for for Seattle is that it, last year they kind of did it on the strength of the defense. Um, and we knew replacing Chad Morris was going to be a big question. Yeah. It seems like it's going to be an even bigger question than we thought. Um, a 4-1 uh, loss is just huge. That's not something you expect to see. I mean, I know LAFC is good. I know they're going to generate chances, but mm-hmm. for them to blow out Seattle is something that should be concerning to everyone. And I mean, you also have the Chicago game in there. 
Uh, you know, so so basically, you just kept clean sheets against Vancouver and San Jose. I mean, that's not all that impressive. Um, so I think that's my takeaway: is I'm not going to be trusting Seattle's defense from here on out until they they fix whatever's going on. Blaine, any final thoughts for Seattle? Yeah, their, their defense is bad, and one of the one of the biggest issues I saw in this tournament was Raul Ruiz Diaz look didn't look good at all. Like you can make up for uh, shaky defense when you've got Ladero and Morris and Rui Diaz all firing, but Rui Diaz was wasting opportunities and it just really never got in a position to make big things happen. And it kind of shocks me. He's been a guy I've had my eye on, and I mean, guy I've had in draft two years in a row. I don't have him this year, thankfully, <laughs> but uh, just one of those players we expect a lot more from and he didn't deliver in this tournament at all and that's that's concerning because it if they're not gonna hold the ball if they're not gonna make the most of their chances they're gonna let score lines like this happen a lot more often and i know they they held the majority of possession and if you look at the mls box score they held majority of possession through the entire second half now i know um LA was up two goals at that point, but still you expect something. And Will Bruin brought him back in the game and almost leveled the game. And then things went downhill from there. I would have loved to have seen Bruin get a second one just to see how Seattle would have reacted at that point Mm -hmm. in a two, two game, but it, it wasn't meant to be. And yeah, that's just, how do you trust a team that's doing that right now? Truth. And their forward seems to be missing everything. True. Yep. Uh, next game, Columbus versus Minnesota. This was another one that shocked me with, with the final score. Uh, this game ended tied one-to-one, went to penalty kicks in the shootout, and Minnesota came out on top five-to-three with, with penalty kicks. Open field goals by uh, Robin Laud, assisted by... Aha, and by Blaine's man, Zardes, right there mm-hmm. in the regular game. Uh, Columbus outshot Minnesota 20-12, to outcrossed Minnesota 20-9, to and outpossessed Minnesota 65-35. to uh, And this was not like last week we said Columbus has missed a couple of pieces. This, this was pretty much as strong of a Columbus team as you're going to see. Maybe could have had, well, the, 90%. You had probably a couple of changes on defense, one of the center backs, and then and then the starting goalkeeper wasn't here as well. But, but I mean, this offensive unit was pretty much what you're going to be seeing, what we're going to be seeing when the season starts. And um, props to Minnesota for being able to do what they did uh, without Opara right here. And then it takes a little bit away from me for Columbus because we sort of saw them be so dominant in their group, which was maybe a little bit easier than I thought before, uh, before now. But uh, I still think Columbus is a team that's going to do well this season, going to do well with fantasy points uh, because of the numbers that they're still putting up right here. Minnesota, harder for me to take away from this uh, just because they don't have all the pieces and some of the players who were producing numbers aren't really fantasy viable type type people that you're going to look at. But uh, did either of you get to watch this game? Mike, this was after New York, so no, no, your streaming I, service. I, 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 I somehow I think I managed to get this. Game. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember how how I what method I used did, but I mean, once ever I saw it was one one, I was like, I, I want to watch this. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, 
you know, Columbus got more expected goals, 2.74, but most of that expected goals came off of two chances. One was the one that Jossie Zardes scored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember. It was like a, right before that, but they missed um, a great opportunity. Um, I, I really just kind of chalk it up to Minnesota's good performance in this tournament. Yeah. They've yeah, seemed to do well defensively despite missing Opara uh, and despite not having a, a new signing that they just made today. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about um, later once we get into back into the regular season. But, uh, you know, so they're bringing in some defensive reinforcements, so not a whole lot of fantasy takeaways other than Adrian Heath has kind of got the team bought in and they, they look much stronger, even throughout the group phase. Um, they're certainly not the pushover. I think you know, Taylor Twelman talked about it a lot um, in the game two nights ago. There's going to be a lot more expectations around um, Minnesota. Certainly not yeah. maybe not to win the West, but to be – strong competitor and i think that's where they are sure blaine final thoughts on columbus um yeah this was just a this was a good offense meeting a better defense really and i know twelman was joking about it a lot in the broadcaster in the after this game and so much so that when he was covering minnesota or covering another game they actually had adrian heath come on and he was joking with heath about parking parking the bus uh, packing it in, just how many buses he he had compared to how many he had to ship out to Cincinnati. Because um, uh, just taking a page out of Cincinnati's book and parking the bus, and that's that really is what Minnesota did here, and it worked for them. I I I'm not going to take anything away from it when you're facing an offense like this. Sometimes that's what you have to do, and Adrian Heath coached his guys to it, and Columbus couldn't break them down, and that's that is a little worrying. Mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, you've got you've got to watch out for guys like Zeller Ion. You're going to put a lot of a lot of potential money into him to put him on your on your team. And he had decent numbers in this game, but he didn't get the goal. He didn't get the assist, um, and a better defense shut him down. And it it's tough. And the result here is a coin flip when you come to PKs. Uh, Room was not playing in these games. Um, I think he picked up a knock, and so he's been out for a couple of games. And that's had uh, Tarbell starting for him. Mm-hmm. And Tarbell's definitely a step down. Um, room is fantastic. Uh, when Columbus has room back, um, I expect a lot more from them. This probably could have been a 1 0 game if room was playing. But again, you just got you to go with who you have. Yep, um, sure. And, but Minnesota's defense looks up to the task um, and got to really got to like what we're seeing from the whole team, um, especially in the absence of Molino. Uh, Molino is a monster, and when he's playing, definitely a must-have or candidate. Like th- With the right matchup, he's going to be a must-own a lot of weeks. Uh, but they're playing well without him, which speaks to the depth of this team and a team you can count on week in and week out. All right. Final game of the Sweet 16 – Portland versus my FC Cincinnati. Uh, a result that I think a lot of people were probably shocked about. Uh, and I was I was pleased with the initial result of this. Uh, well, a little bit. Uh, final was 1-1 draw between Portland and Cincinnati. Goes to penalty shootout and uh, Portland wins 4-2 after at least one horrible uh, penalty kick right here. Uh, open field goals by uh, Nisgura for 
Portland, assisted by Blanco, and then Locadia, a PK for him for Cincinnati. That's the new forward that we had who really hasn't featured a lot in this tournament. Um, Portland outshot Cincinnati 19 to 12, outcrossed Cincinnati 40 to 6. There's those numbers I was talking about from earlier. And then possession was still, though, fairly even, 56 to 44. I think that did get better, at least from a Cincinnati fan side, to at least see some more attempts at playing the ball. And But they, they really did just sit back again. That's what we've seen in these last few games, just sit back and absorb it. And they did very well at doing that. I was really impressed at how Cincinnati was able to absorb from Portland. I don't know if you guys got to see this game but but that was something i was i was just impressed how they were able to to deal with some of that pressure um the the biggest letdown and i'm just going to chalk it up to not a lot of fitness or just not in in the game locadia pretty much had a sitter right there at the end of being able to just knock it into the goal and put it away two to one for cincinnati so a huge huge disappointment there but i'm willing to just chalk that be like listen this is the guy's first real game getting out there after after having some injuries and, and getting fitness and everything so i'm willing to chalk that up it's a win in general for me from cincinnati to even make it this far and do this well against portland and i gotta say right now that i have a huge beef with with alejandro moreno with the way he was calling this game always going back to like how boring it was and how bad cincinnati is and how this is just what we expected and yada 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 i get it they're not playing beautiful soccer but Portland was the team that we beat in our first ever game at home. It came back here. We had them one-to-one. Do something. I mean, no, it's this is the game that's going to like 1 o'clock in the morning. Do something to keep people around instead of talking about <laughs> how bad they are, how boring this game is, and how we all knew this. It's like, come on, man. No. Like, give a little bit of excitement to this. No, like, give, give, credit, give credit for accomplishing, like, not getting blown out by Portland. Yeah, I've I've saved this hot take for you, Reed, on this. I haven't posted it anywhere yet. No, I I watched this game. And, and I mean, I had watched most of the Cincy games leading up to this because I was curious, especially when they got on the Cinderella run. And I just wanted to see it. And the whole time in this game and down to Lacadia missing the sitter, I was just, I was getting flashbacks to Costa Rica and the 5-4-1. Um, sure, sure. People say it's ugly soccer. People say it's negative play, whatever. Um, I like it. I, I can't help it. I like it. Like, I, I can pull for Cincy doing this. There, there's something to be said about a 5-3-2 or a 5-4-1. You pack it in behind the ball, you pick your moments, and you go at them. Um, Cincy looked good when they broke out of their shell. Um Amaya looks really good. Kubo's a great player for this. He fits the system. All credit to Yopstom. He's got these guys playing a style that can get results. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lacadia puts that that gimme in. I, I mean, it's a horrible miss. You can't take anything yeah. away from that. But he puts that in. Since he wins 2-1, never goes to penalties. We're talking a whole different tournament here for Cincy. And I'm sure... Doyle and the rest would be starting to bring up the Costa Rica thing. Like if you can make a living playing this way and when you, it's no, it's never fun to watch a team park the bus, but I really enjoy watching a team that knows how to pack it in and play good defense and knows when to break and when just to clear the ball. 
And right now, Yapstam's got them know they know when to break. They know who they know who's supposed to run. They know where their outlets are gonna be, and they just take off. And it, it I I enjoy this type of soccer. I know a lot of people don't. They think it's ugly. They think it's just boring play. I personally love it. Um, I loved what I saw from Cincy, and I think they've put the rest of the Eastern Conference on notice that they're gonna have to keep an eye on this. And they can't come in expecting an easy game. They're gonna, they're gonna have to show that they can break down a good defense. And yeah, I just I was excited about this. Mike, you had mentioned horrible PKs a little bit earlier. Is the Waston PK what you were referring to? I think the entire SC Cincinnati. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I even tweeted it was like if your goal was to get this to PK, shouldn't you have actually made sure that you were good at taking PKs? I think I think that's what you said. Yeah. Like I think I think Tim <laughs> I mean, Parker was... took one and I think it hit the the crossbar, and then Waston yeah. did his and it was just like <laughs> he sent it into yeah, I was like, Tampa oh, or something. Come on, you know, because I was hoping for an MLS I derby, um, okay. you know, New York City versus SEC. Um, I thought it would have been fun. I think so. Um, and also, you know, we may have had a better chance of not losing, so that would have been cool. <laughs> um, True. But yeah, I mean, also, you know, when, when you're talking about Moreno, I don't really feel bad for the Portland Timbers that they got the bus parked on. I mean, that's a team that's kind of notorious for defense force <laughs> and back in the Fair. Corner. Especially when we'll talk about a game in, in a, you know, in a few minutes. Um, I don't really don't have any sympathy for them. But, yeah, I mean, I think Blaine is exactly right. SC Cincinnati has put the league on notice that they're not a pushover defensively. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite as enamored with how they're getting on the break. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't seem to be all that interested in getting on the break until they were down. Um and then once they equalize and they got that one glorious opportunity, they didn't get much else. So I think there's a lot of work to do on improving them, improving their opportunities off the break and generating chances to be a little bit more like Portland. Cause we'll, we'll talk about what they were able to do against New York city. And I think that's what FC Cincinnati wants to emulate. And you can play that kind of soccer and be very successful, especially in, in this type of tournament where it's one off and PKs after, you know, 90 minutes. But I mean, I, I think you're you're right, Reed, to just take a lot of positives from this, especially when they started out for nothing. We're like same old Cincinnati, nothing much to be worried about. But I mean, they've really grown through this tournament, mm-hmm. and they have a little bit of a man. Not saying they're a playoff team, but certainly a team that can be building and building towards something uh, later on. Right. But Mike, to to be that good after what what is this? Is this four or six games for Stum now to bring in this style? Did he start four. the season with? This is yeah. a, this this tournament was his first like, game. Yeah. yeah. So to be to be here with the style shift and four games into a new coach, like, yeah, maybe they're not quite as good as I say they are, but to be there that quick is astounding to me. Well, and Stom's a defender too, so he probably has a better understanding of how to organize some of this than maybe previous coaches have with them, but. I think you're right. The big fans takeaway from here is Cincinnati's still a team you can probably bet against. Maybe it's not three players against Cincinnati. Maybe you only take a couple players against Cincinnati for your fantasy team. Um, because they, I think that if they get, if they keep their defensive shape, it, it may be a little bit harder to break them down. I think you're probably more focused on getting defenders against Cincinnati than your offensive players. 
All right, let's move on to the Elite Eight. Uh, Philadelphia versus Sporting Kansas City. Did not go your way, Blaine. Final score, 3-1 in favor of Philadelphia. Goals by Montiero, assisted by Bedoria and Santos. And then two more goals, a brace for Santos with an assist by Aronson in one of those. Same names we're hearing here, people. So it just reinforces that. Goal from Polito, though, uh, assisted by Russell, which is someone who wasn't on uh, the, the list early on in this tournament. Uh, Sporting Kansas City outshot Philadelphia 16-7, outcrossed Philadelphia 20-4, and uh, fairly even possession in favor of Sporting Kansas City 57-43. Uh, key Philadelphia players, of course, those offensive players I was just mentioning there, Montiero and Santos right there. Gaddis and Elliott, again, did well on defense, so you have some options there. Philadelphia not the cheapest team, though. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, I mean, I'm going to say Polito and Russell just because Polito got the goal, which is something you guys have struggled some in the past of having a good forward to go to. So it's nice to see yeah. that Polito is getting on the score sheet. And then Russell wasn't featuring early on in this tournament, and he's come back on later in this tournament. So another that kind of a reliable name you can start to potentially go back to as well. But, I mean, Sporting Kansas City is overflowing with midfielders you could look at. Yeah, this game... Um... I was disappointed to go out of the tournament here, but we got beat by the better team. Like, it was just Santos and Aronson just tore us up. It was it was brutal. Uh, Vermes finally had to rotate, did some rotation. Shallowy was awful. Um, Busio did not have a good game starting. Uh, Sporting really picked it up when Kinda came in. Um, he started the second half, and um, Busio was upset to come off, but Kinda really brought a spark. Uh, we looked more dangerous in the second half, but we were already down 3-1, and that's where the possession and the shot numbers come from is Philly's got a good defense, and they could sit in with a with a two-goal cushion and just not give it up, and that's what they did. Uh, uh, Kinda and Polito are definitely your highlights from the tournament for Kansas City. Those are two guys week in and week out you can go, you can bank on having decent games when they're starting. Um, they are the they are kind of the heart of the team right now for fantasy points. Uh, Russell did look good coming back. He's getting back into fitness, mm -hmm. and that's good. But man, Aronson is just so good. Um, I don't know if he's going to be with the team long term. Um, with if depending on what the virus does and what the Euro seasons look like, I could see him moving before the end of the MLS season, to be perfectly honest. The offers are starting to pour in for him, and I just I don't know that he's going to be there. But, man, if he's still in MLS, he's a guy you've got to keep an eye on and you've got to have. And then Sergio Santos is one of those. He's had his up, ups and downs. But when he's on, he's on, and he is so good. Mm -hmm. Mike, final thoughts on Sporting Kansas City? Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll defer to Blaine on that. I'll just point out that um, Santos is a 7.2 forward. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for cheap forwards. Yeah. Uh, I think great he's option. a great option. Very nice. All right, let's move on to Orlando versus LAFC. Uh, I think we all thought we knew the way this was going to go. I know 538 thought they knew the way this was going to go for the entire tournament. And then Orlando said, uh, uh, uh. Uh, and maybe Derek had something to do with it. I don't know. But this game ended in a tie, one-to-one -one goals by BWP, assisted by Rossi. And then uh, for Orlando, um, Matinho with assisted by Nani, of course, right there. And then this goes to a PK shootout. And you better believe that I was watching this PK shootout as well. 5-4. 
in favor of Orlando. Excuse me. <clears throat> 5-4 in favor of Orlando, wins it in PKs, completely destroys what people thought was going to happen. Brackets were destroyed. Tables were flipped. This was just ridiculous. Orlando outshot LAFC 17-8, outcrossed LAFC 18-10, and outpossessed LAFC fairly even 52-48. So this was just a, a wild game at all. Did either of you ever think that Orlando was going to beat LAFC in this tournament? No. No. Here we go. No nope. fair. Um, basic takeaways from Orlando, which you want to know. Mueller left injured, I believe, and then at the end of the game you could have you saw him in a in a sling or something, but so Mueller's been a key player, but he he looks like he might be injured. Nani is of course we've mentioned him a lot. Uh Perea is another player who's been key with with playmaking right now and then Jansen on defense has done very well a couple of different defensive options back there LEFC it's the usual names no need to mention them here it just didn't happen for them um but the important thing well I won't jump on that um Blaine or Mike what were your thoughts from this game my thoughts oh Orlando's defense is no joke I know I know we talked about it coming into the tournament. I know we talked about it after the group stage. I know we were all kind of saying the same thing. A good defense can take you a long way in a tournament style like this. Um, Orlando's defense is legit. I, I know we've bagged on them for a while. I know last year and even the year before, I, some of their only highlights were having a few good defensive options, but they didn't have an offense that could keep the ball long enough to keep them from getting shelled. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've got uh, – the offense seems to be clicking a little better. They seem to be able to hold possession more. Um, it takes a little bit of the pressure off the defense so they don't get tired legs. But, man, this defense is good. Um, Galise, as their goalkeeper, has been solid all tournament. Um, another four saves in this one on five shots on target. So, I mean, he he got he's, – he's getting to the balls. It's just – it's – a good defense will take you a long way, and I think we found a defense we can rely on when the regular season comes back. Mike, final thoughts about LAFC? <laughs> Feel free to add anything about Orlando, too. Oh, I mean, for Orlando, all I'm just going to say is I think Oscar Pereja has done an amazing job. Yeah, for sure. Fixing up that defense and, and getting them to, to be a, a real strong machine. Um, you know, I, other people have talked about no other team limited or lafc to no shots before so many minutes and just how few shots lafc had just the expected goals mm-hmm. and everything shows a very strong uh defensive performance um kind of looking it up it looks like mueller will be back for the semifinal game mm. so orlando will get a boost there um or just precaution for lafc yeah for, for lafc I, i'm not too worried about it um they had 1.7 expected goals you know if if one of those goes in it, you know we're having a different conversation I still think it'll be fine. They'll be getting Vela back, you know, fantasy-wise. Um, probably the bigger question for them is do they keep all their pieces or does someone from Europe come calling for Rossi yeah, or for anyone sure. else? Sure. All right. San Jose versus Minnesota. I was a little surprised with this result. I expected a little bit more out of San Jose with this game, but a big credit to Minnesota who won this game 4-1. to one. Uh, Goals by, by Laud, uh, goals by Hayes. Maria and uh, Harrison 
Uh, we got a couple of assists by Dotson in there, another an assist by Dodd and or Lod and uh, and Aha got an assist as well. And then Erickson with the PK. So three PKs for Erickson in these in these last two games. Um, Minnesota outshot San Jose twenty to sixteen. San Jose outcrossed Minnesota twenty three to twelve and outpossessed Minnesota sixty four to thirty six. That's I think the highest possession of this this episode. So San Jose was doing really well with that. Um, usual suspects right here again for the San Jose players: Vaco, Espinoza, uh, Erickson, uh, Kashina on defense had some good numbers. Um, then then Minnesota. Metanair did not play, I believe. I'm not sure if he was injured or, or what was going on if they were saving him, but he was out for this game. So he's usually a key player. That's one to keep an eye on if, if that is an injury. But, I mean, you're looking at, at Gregus and, and Dotson and Alonzo. And so the, the same usual players here. Uh, but big game for Minnesota sets up Minnesota-Orlando, which should be really fun. Mike, what would you get from this one? Um, I was just floored by how um, Minnesota ran San Jose off the field. Yeah. Um, it was not a competitive match. Um, I, I think by the time I turned it on, it was already 2 nothing Minnesota. San Jose never really threatened. You, even the goal they got was off of a PK, which is kind of a fluke handball. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was the right call, but you know nothing that was a, a result of San Jose doing anything special. Um, t- to me, it, San Jose is still kind of a question mark. You know, you get the great games, and then you get games like this, which is just a stinker. Um, it was kind of a microcosm of their season all last year where they started off hot and then fell back down to earth. Um, you know, we, we just talked about how they ran RSL off the field and then just got ran off the field themselves. I, I think the big question for them is whether coaches around MLS, some of the better teams, are going to be have figured out what they're doing and have have them solved. Because that's kind of what it feels like to me. All the better teams in MLS and the better coaches know what San Jose is going to do and can address it. Lane. So San Jose, fantasy option, good against good bad teams, not good against good no, teams. That's fair. Blaine, final thoughts about San Jose? Yeah, I, I felt like they just ran out of gas. I don't know if it's a tournament format. Like They just they got outplayed on every aspect of the game, and and that's tough. Um it'll lead to a result like this. I mean, defense fell asleep there for about two minutes, gave up two goals. It just, it, it happens. They just, they seem tired. They don't, they're not as deep of a team. I look at their substitution patterns. I look at who started. They played the same guys pretty consistently. They didn't have a lot of rotation here in their lineup and it shows. And just, I mean, that's credit to Minnesota. They, He's got a good team there. When you can bring a guy like Ja'Cory Hayes in and he gets his first start in a, over a year, and I think and his last start was with a different team, comes on, gets a goal. I mean, just looked lively, looked really good. I'm happy to see Hayes getting some more minutes. I know he's a guy that we've kind of kept an eye on in fantasy because he got the occasional start with Dallas, and when he got the start, he was pretty decent and one of those cheap options we can go to. And it's just good to see young guys like that getting a shot with Minnesota. And it's going to change up how we have to look at fantasy this year because they do have a lot of depth. And they do. Minnesota is just one of those teams that they could switch their lineup in a heartbeat and they can still be almost as good or just as good with a couple of other players in the lineup. And those players are 
producing right away. Like, Ja'Cory Hayes has now got to be on everybody's radar for fantasy. Yeah. He got a goal and looked good. I mean, he looked really good. And and so I don't even – I'm not going to look up his price, but I know he's got to be under eight, probably under seven, maybe even in the fives. But still, just a guy like that that could get a start at any moment, like, that's huge for a team like Minnesota. He's at five. Nice. He's at five. Oh, yeah. nice. Wow. All right, in our final game, New York City FC versus Portland. Uh, did not go in Mike's favor. Final score here, Portland 3, New York City FC 1. Uh, goals from Medina off of a PK, and then Blanco, Valeri, and Polo all got a goal as well for uh, for Portland. Uh, fairly even, though, with a lot of the stats. Shots in favor of New York City, 10-9. to 9. Crosses in favor of New York City, 19-13. to 13. And uh, New York City enjoying the bulk of possession, 61-39. to 39. Mike, what happened? Um, pretty much the perfect game from a Portland's perspective. Um, you know, Savarese wants to see his team sit back and have excellent counters, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, I think Sebastian Blanco has to be on your radar, 8.9 million yeah. as a midfielder. Um, had a goal uh, in the game against uh, Cincinnati where he kind of took advantage of being right place, right time. Did it again against New York City. I believe he got an assist on the Valeri goal as well. Um, um, uh, Nesguda got an assist on the Valeri. He Nesguda got assist got on, an the assist. Polo, on the Polo goal. I he tuned in Maybe he got like a second. Maybe he, got a, he might have gotten a secondary yeah. assist on that one. But I mean, uh, I mean, he he was terrorizing um, New York City defense all, all night. Um, and I think him and Valeri, when they're going forward on the counter, is probably one of the most dangerous counterattacks you know you're going to mm-hmm. see. Uh, and MLS. Um, Valeri, obviously, he's he's a bench guy. He's a super sub, which quite a super sub to have. Um, but I think it does impact his fantasy value. I don't know how many times you want to go 11 million for a guy who's just going to come off the bench. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, I think Portland is very strong. Nizgoda's had a good tournament uh, as well. For New York City, honestly, I think you're selling their stock. I, um, they're not getting movement. They're not breaking down teams. The only team they had success against was Toronto as a team that's possessed. Most teams are going to come out against New York City the way Portland did, the way Orlando did, the way Philadelphia did. And there is not the same movement that there was last year. There's not the same creativity. Maybe part of that is because Maxi was banged up all tournament and Hebert was banged up all tournament, but they both came on at this game and it didn't change anything. It's just hard to justify the prices that the premium prices that New York City players were put on on fantasy for for what you're seeing on the field it's just not looking good and their defense was awful um the three goals of portland i mean the, the polo goes that that's just a wonder goal there's not there's not much you can do about that but their portland had plenty of other chances where it just looked like new york city was running with chickens with their heads cut off um and that was the way it was against orlando early in the game it's just not good enough yeah i tuned into this game like a minute before Blanco's goal where he just had that sort of rebound off right there in front and just sent it in and Johnson just sort of watched it because he couldn't do anything. And I was like, holy yeah. crap. Uh, Beauty Blaine, final thoughts on New York City FC. I don't know what's up with Abair. Um Not starting, I don't, I don't know. It's just, this is another one of those teams kind of like Atlanta. Where are the goals coming from? They seem to be doing better than Atlanta right now. Like they're they're more competent than Atlanta, but 
uh, this is a team that just lacks that little bit going forward for me. And I know we've been really high on them defensively, but if opponents don't respect your offense, if they don't respect what you can do to hold the ball, I mean, they had the possession, but um, and got burned on the counter. It's just this is a team that against good defenses, you can't really take anybody here. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's going to be tough and. Yeah, um, the only thing I've got, though, is, like, I know Mike says uh, Medina's maybe a coach's favorite. Um, I've watched Medina. He's always been one of those guys I've tried to have on my radar. Um, I like him, and I don't know. He He's taken PKs with this. Maybe Maxi takes him if he's on the field because this one, this one happened before the sub. This one happened before Bear came on. But I don't know. I just Medina seems to be one of those go-to guys right now that if I am going to look at New York City players, Medina's going to be one of those guys that's going to be on my radar because of the price. But I'm seeing results, and on a team that's stacked like this talent-wise, he's the one getting the results right now. So I've got to go with kind of the hot hand here. And I want to see where they start the regular season back at with this team. Medina, if Medina is on the field, he probably should get the nod. Maxi Morales was a notoriously bad penalty kick taker mm-hmm. and Medina seemed to be okay so far so if if Medina's on the field with Maxi it wouldn't surprise me if that's Medina's job but I can't say for sure yeah does Bear take him normally no no it's, okay. last year's all Max Morales and New York City fans were begging for it to not be Max Morales. <laughs> okay well yeah I think he was like a 50 percent or something like that yeah so that's a huge um, boost for Medina but Medina especially at his price point yeah and but Medina could Medina could not yield yeah, he, he had Dome had, did not rate him whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, and Delia seems like he does. All right, that's our breakdown of uh, these last the the Sweet Sixteen and the uh, the Elite Eight right here. So that sets up a Final Four of Philadelphia versus Portland and Orlando versus Minnesota, or the Adrian Heath Derby. I think we should call it right <laughs> there. Um, I don't know if I had any of these teams in my bracket maybe portland uh maybe portland but uh, this is wild this this final four is is absolutely crazy who do you guys think are going to be in the final game that's so hmm. tough it is i know i i think i'm gonna give orlando the edge against minnesota it's close i could see yeah i can really see either one of these games going either way um, give me Orlando and Portland, I think. I'm going to take the opposite. I'm going to go Philadelphia, Minnesota here. Mm. Um, I think Minnesota's got the firepower. I can see that game being a 1-0, a defensive slugfest. And just, I think Minnesota's got just enough extra attacking presence to get the goal. Um, and then, I don't know. I just, I think Philadelphia's clicking at the right time. And I think their defense is better than anything Portland has seen so far. And that's going to carry them through. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm, I'm right with you. This one's, this one's really tough. Um, I think I'm with you, Mike. I'm, I'm looking for it probably being Portland, Orlando, but I mean, there's almost, there's not almost, I don't think there's a bad combination with, with these two teams. Like it's, 
I, I like a lot of the players from Portland. I mean, Valerian Blanco are awesome, and I think they've got a lot of, of potential there. I, if they make it, I get it, and I'd be happy to watch them. Philadelphia, I've loved how they've been developing the last couple of years, and some of the great players they have right now, who you're right, Blaine, are hitting all at the same time, so I'm fine either one there. And then Orlando is, like, living a dream, and it's it's their hometown. I mean, they're down here, and they're they're doing well and, and putting things together. And so I would not be unhappy with any combination of who's here. So it's... It's, it's wild. Um, we have two more things to cover really quickly before we wrap up. But next week, we're definitely going to be talking about the final two games, the semifinals right here. And then we'll do a wrap-up at the end with the final. So we will have a, a, a podcast on the 10th before the uh, MLS is back final game. Last two bits, just your quick reactions. We'll talk more about this next week, I promise. Kubo Torres to Atlanta as the Joseph Martinez replacement. A little bit of a head scratcher for me, Mike. I think you said it very well on Twitter. What was that? So Kubo Torres has seven goals in 35 appearances since 2017. So he's not showing up in a whole lot of games in Liga MX. He wouldn't score in a whole lot when he was. Um, I mean, as far as emergency signings for strikers, Atlanta could have done a lot worse. You know, at least Atlanta fans can talk to him in the potential. But but sure. to me, Kubo Torres, when you look at um, you know his career stats he's just got all the makings of a streaky striker if you can get that you know lightning in a bottle it's amazing but it's going to fizzle out real quick so if, if you're an Atlanta fan you just got to hope and he's enough of a threat and we can you know get him hot whoever the new coach is you know and, and something can happen mm-hmm. you know there's certainly there's potential there I, I think we'd all agree with that with Cuba Torres but he's just very inconsistent um, it'll be really interesting to see what his price point is for the fantasy game, but I would not rely on him week one. I would need to see something out of him. Yeah, I was, I was pretty outspoken. I, I remember Cuba with with Chivas, and he was <laughs> hot for them. And I loved riding that bandwagon when everybody was ragging on Chivas. It was fun to it was fun to be one of the outsiders getting all the fantasy points for something that nobody else wanted to do. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't think he's ever been like utilized properly at times, but I I said it after Atlanta got knocked out. They didn't give any quality service to Adam John. They cannot give service to a big man. I, I think that's a big knock on both pity and Barco. They're supposed to be big name players in this league. They were, they paid Atlanta paid a lot of money for him. If they can't serve a target striker, they're not good players. They're not good midfielders at that Ooh, point. Hot take. Like, like, like uh, I just if you're if you're that much quality, you should be able to give service to whoever's up front. If you've got a guy who is not necessarily great with his feet, but he's head and shoulders taller than everybody else, you put the ball on his head, right? Like, that's what you do. Uh, if you've got a mid, if you've got your big playmakers that won't put the ball on somebody's head, who's bigger than everybody, they're not doing their job. So instead of telling Barco and Pity to give good service to Adam John, they go out and buy somebody who plays closer to the way Martinez plays. Cubo is not Joseph Martinez. I don't expect him to emulate those numbers. But I would hope that Pity and Barco can give him service like they gave to Joseph and at least 
he'll get a few more shots on goal per game than Adam John did. Like, this has got to be an improvement for the team across the board because they couldn't give service to a target striker. Hopefully they can give service to a guy like Cuba who, who can run the lanes, can get, get himself open and he can, he can play to a lesser extent like Joseph does and get in some of those same positions. I mean, you can't, they can't get any worse off of this signing. True. And the final little bit, uh, Charlotte is now an MLS team, and they have a nice logo and a crappy name. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Charlotte FC. I just found that very unoriginal and blah, uh, but I love their logo. I, I like circle logos. I think Mike will agree there. I just think they look sharp. I like the crown in the middle. I like the color contrast right there, but... Really, is this what we're just going to have? Is it going to be Sacramento SC and St. Louis SC as well as this FC? Is this what we're going to have? Apparently so. Um, I'm, I'm so tired of these boring names. Yeah. Stop it. This is the United States. It's cool for Europe. I'm fine with them being cities and United. This is the United States. Our teams have nicknames. That's our naming convention. We have... There's five different teams, professional teams of different sports. It doesn't make any sense to just call them Charlotte or whatever. Um, pick, pick, pick a nickname. You want to be, the, you know, Royals or whatever, Monarchs, go for it. And I think there were a bunch of other more interesting names for Charlotte. It's fine. But, I mean, like, even the logo, they just stole the Carolina Panthers color scheme <laughs> and then put a crown on it, which, you know, again – this is the United States of America. I don't know why half of our teams are <laughs> odes to monarchy. You know, that's not what George Washington and Alexander Hamilton fought for. You know, we didn't want to put King George on all of our soccer teams. Come on, guys. Like, this is ridiculous. Pick a nickname. Don't put odes to monarchies. Like, not like half the league is like an ode to, you know, a monarchy. Just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> not a rant I expected to happen tonight. Not at I am yeah. pro democracy. There we I go. Love like, democracy. I don't I don't want to go political on the podcast, but we're seeing calls for name changes in other sports. And I just have this feeling in ten to fifteen years, everybody that's got an ode to a monarchy as their team name or on their crest is gonna get this same call for a change. And MLS doesn't need to add any more of those now. Well, if we're going to start redoing some names, I am all for the Cincinnati Garys. So that's just what but I'm saying. No, I'm, I, I want to say I, I'm line. so happy Charlotte's in MLS. This is one of those U.S. soccer hotbeds, one of those good areas that's kind of been underrepresented at times. And I'm happy, like, and I know some people may argue with me, but I'm happy it's not another Texas team. It's not a, it's not Sacramento. Like I know Sacramento is a deserving club to get there, but I'm so happy MLS went with the Charlotte market, went with the Carolina market, which is, I mean, you've got Atlanta, you've got Nashville, you've got some other teams that are somewhat close, but this is a market that I was desperately hoping MLS would tap into rather than go into a couple of other areas that they did and that they were t that they've been talking about like i i'm just i'm really excited that charlotte's going to have a team i think that's a great area to pop up an mls team and i expect them to get a lot of good support early on in there 
in their club life. We noticed that Blaine I, doesn't really care about the distance between Kansas City and St. Louis, though. Oh, no, I, no, no, no. I hate St. Louis being a team. Like, <laughs> oversaturated, they're sandwiched right between Chicago, Columbus, and Kansas City, and even Nashville, who's already there. Like, it, as you go the spheres of influence, there's a whole lot more open area around North Carolina or around the Carolina area, around the Charlotte area <laughs> than there is around the St. Louis area. I would rather see Detroit get a team than St. Louis get a team and open up more MLS things. Like I could rant on that for hours, but not tonight. But and not I would, tonight. I'll just say that I oppose all MLS expansions to cities not named New Orleans. There we go. All right. And on that note, we're going to end. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight for this uh, part four of our review. We will have part five next week, like I said, on the 10th, where we break down the, the final four teams in preparation for the MLS is back tournament championship game. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know if there's a cup for that or whatever. They're, they're giving away free CCL seats is what's going on there. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And good luck. <laughs>